sound of that music is another Boilers Extra podcast coming your way as we jump into July. We jump into the fiscal year, uh, a new fiscal year, and let the belt tightening begin across college athletics, across the world, basically. Businesses, uh, this is a a kind of a fresh start. Uh, You ended the fiscal year on June 30th, and you begin a new one on July 1st, and no one knows what this fiscal year is going to turn out to be like especially in the world of college sports and athletics, how much money is going to be there at the uh, June 30th, 2021. And it's uh, uncertain times. You've heard that enough. And uncertainty is the, the theme right now as we're about two months away from the college football season starting off uh, with a full schedule. Uh, there are a few games before September 5th weekend or the Labor Day weekend that, uh, you know, if those go off okay, then that probably bodes well for the rest of uh, the teams and the season starting on time. But there's so much time between now and then that uh, we'll, we'll see a few more twists and turns. It was just probably a couple weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I think that everyone was feeling pretty optimistic about uh, college football season starting on time. The NCAA had, you know, voted on a plan to get, Uh, the preseason practices underway, voluntary workouts, and then the mandatory workouts, and then training camp schedule was pretty much uh, set up uh, the way it had been uh, for the most part. Uh, The last few years, uh, there was uh, some added days in there because a lot of teams lost spring practice time. Uh, Everybody lost spring practice time. No one got in the full schedule. Purdue got eight practices in, which was one of the highest in the country. Uh, so they got again. They got in over half, but yeah, two and a half weeks ago, probably, you know, I would have would have said, you know, it's looking really good to start on time and get things going. But now, uh, today, I'm not sure that's the case, and I'm sure the, everybody's mind will be changed back and forth several times before uh, we we get the official word of what what is going to happen or not going to happen. Uh, throughout uh, the 2020 season. And um, and the only thing that really is to say is, you know, you just have to hold on. It, it is a day-by-day thing, an hour-by-hour thing. It is controlled by the virus. Uh, and no one, no one has taken steps to control the virus. Uh, obviously, the behavior of people across the country uh, are contributing uh, to this uh, by not wearing masks and not social distancing. That's not everybody, but enough people are doing it where you see a rise in cases, especially in some of the most populated states uh, in the country with Florida, Texas, Arizona, and California. Um, and to me, this is a result of probably what happened over Memorial Day as we got into the summer and you know schools were out that you know people just kind of you know thought that, the virus went away and went out and started doing normal things. And those normal things now have uh, turned into a high rate of cases and uh, some hospital beds being tied up and all those things, all those stats that the medical and scientific people look at to determine, you know, what what's the next step and kind of what needs to happen. A lot of states have, have paused their reopening. Even Indiana went from four to four and a half. This is our stage four to stage four and a half, which is 
uh, wasn't part of the original plan. They were supposed to jump in the to stage five, but they went to stage four and a half just as, um, just you know, just based on caution. If anything else, um, there's been been an increase in uh, the number of positive COVID tests. Not as many as you see in other states, but still there there is an increase uh, in Indiana. But how that pertains to the college athletics and college football, you know, we still don't know. And but you have to move ahead. You have to make the plans. And I think everybody is has a plan. I think the conferences have plans. That's plural. Um, I'm not sure when they will announce what the plan will be for the 2020 season. Um, you know, again, we're we're two months away from really getting that started. Uh, I, but I would just guessing to say that sometime in August, that at least early August, you have an idea of what your schedule is going to be like. Because I, I I'm not totally convinced, and I I might be wrong that the schedule that you see today for Purdue will be the schedule that you see as we get closer to the season um, because decisions have to be made as far as how many games you're going to put, you're going to try to play. Um, whether that's just all conference games, are you going to just dump the non-conference games and what are the financial ramifications of that? Because Purdue is scheduled to play, pay Memphis and air force uh, well over a million dollars, not each, but total, uh, to come and play in ross Aid Stadium this year. You know, that's a huge part of Memphis's and Air Force's budget. Uh, so they're going to want, they're going to need that money. They're going to want it. Whether they can get it, you know, remains, uh, kind of remains to be seen. If if we do, in fact, go to uh, a straight conference season. Uh, so there's just, there's so many things going through that, you know, what, you know, the testing and schools now, reporting positive tests and how many positive tests does it take to shut down a program or shut down an athletic department? We're seeing a few more. I think Kansas was the latest today to suspend activities. Um, and I'm sure there'll be more. Um, I'm sure there'll be more. And, you know, right now, most athletic teams are working in smaller groups to help curb the spread of the virus. But once you get to July 6, which is the first mandatory date for football practice um, with some of the teams that play before Labor Day, and then July 13th is the next mandatory date, as you start working in bigger groups um, and doing different things, is that going to increase the number of positive tests that you have? I mean, you have to keep testing. You just cannot stop testing. You can't just put your head in the sand and say, well, we're not going to test anymore. What we know, what we don't know won't hurt us, right? Well, it may not hurt you, but it might hurt somebody else. Uh, so, that, you know, there's just there's just so many things to, to iron out and um, get going in this thing that it, it just really, um, we, we are truly in a wait-and-see mode. I don't, nobody has ever experienced anything like this. Uh, and it's just, you know, you're just going to have to wait. And, you know, one sign, whether this will be the sign or or just a sign, is what the Ivy League is going to do. And the Ivy League is not an FBS type of uh, league. You know, they don't generate a lot of money out of TV. Um, but, you know, we all, we all laughed when the uh, – or not laughed, but we all kind of scoffed at uh, the Ivy League canceling its basketball tournaments back in March well before – any of the major conferences did, and that 
that turned out to be the the right and correct decision at that time. And I think everybody looked at the Ivy League and said, well, what are you doing? You know, there's there's really nothing happening right now, so to speak. And then a few days later, stuff was happening and the Big Ten, ACC, SEC, Pac-12 all all canceled their tournaments. The NCAA canceled the the, the the men's and women's basketball tournaments. They canceled spring sports. So the Ivy League, uh, you know, kind of was out in front back in March. Now, whatever their decision is, now they're, they're, they're going to announce on July 8th whether they're going to have in-person classes during their fall term and then what that will mean for athletics uh, in the big picture. But, you know, it'll be just curious what they do. Uh, because I, you know, I think some Ivy league teams are probably, probably have some, some contest against bigger schools uh, and what that would mean to the schedule if they decided not to play, uh, this fall, you know, and Purdue's got a basketball game against Yale coming up in December, whether, what effect that, whatever decision comes out of the Ivy league, what effect that'll have on Purdue's schedule is really. You know, it's kind of far out there right now because the game's in December and does that count as part of the fall term uh, or does it kind of trickle into the next term and so on and so forth. But, uh, but yeah, that's just kind of something to watch. What happens with the Ivy League coming up uh, in a few days? Now, recording this on July 3rd on a Friday, and so I think their, their decision is supposed to come down uh, July 8th, which I – believe would be uh next wednesday and uh but just you know then after that i'll be more curious to see what happens with the big conferences and you know what decisions are made uh from from their standpoint they all have models they all have been looking at them studying and you know what what they're going to do and that type of thing it it, may turn out to be the schedule that you see today is the schedule that you see or it may be something uh completely different and that's you know, it's just something to watch, and this is going to. You know, I I think schedules. When you look at other sports, volleyball and maybe the soccer's of the world, um, and then when you get into spring baseball and softball, I think those schedules are going to change uh, dramatically. Um, and I, you know, I think um, I know one idea, and I think we've mentioned it before on this uh, podcast, is that the Big Ten volleyball may just go to all conference matches. Um, type of type of season uh but you know there's just uh, again every sport's going to have their model every sport's going to kind of try to do what's best for them along with uh keeping expenses in line and you know do you create a schedule in any sport that requires you to drive everywhere or be on a bus and that would include football you know can you can you get that done just when you look at the big 10 footprint can you get that done i would say no because you have Maryland and Rutgers out east. You had Penn State out there. Um, you know, Purdue's in a location where it can drive to a lot of schools, but those three schools out east, and when you look at Nebraska and Iowa, uh, Minnesota, you know, they're they're out west. And it'd be hard for, you know, even if you focused everything in the west, you know, if you, even even if you stayed in your division, if the east stayed in the east and the, the west stayed in the west, which you, they do anyway, but can you drive everywhere? You know, Purdue – potentially could drive to Lincoln, could drive to Minnesota. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's doable. It's not the best scenario, but it's, it's doable. 
because places you would normally fly like Iowa and Nebraska and Minnesota, you, you know, even Wisconsin, uh, Purdue flies too. I mean, sure, you can drive Northwestern and Illinois and you drive to Indiana and Purdue does have a road game scheduled at Michigan. That That's one you could drive. So you, you could do a lot of things, but, you know, can Nebraska drive to Indiana? Can Nebraska drive or if they were playing Indiana, can, you know, can Nebraska drive to Northwestern? Can they drive to Madison? Can they, um, you know, they can do this stuff, but is that in the best interest of, of everyone to do that? You know, if you're looking at saving money, that is in the best interest of, of doing that. The other thing to watch, and it is, this came down, oh, just a few days ago, is that, uh, you know, with the, the surge, surge of uh, positive tests in California, uh, USC has been a school that has now come out and said that the majority of their classes are going to be online. I think there may be 10 to 15% might be in-person classes actually on campus, but a majority of their classes is, classes are, are looking to be online. Um, and all we've heard since probably a few weeks into this pandemic was for in order to have college sports, in order to have college football, that the student body needs to be on campus because the students are part of the student, you know, the student athletes are part of the the student body. So if USC has to not have students on campus, will they proceed with a fall athletic season? You know, Arizona has kind of put a pause on things as well. Uh, but what does that mean? Uh, and I, you know, I, you know, there are stories out there and I believe that some, all the power five teams have probably have a model that not, doesn't include everybody playing football this season in their conference. Cause you may have, you know, you may have a school or two that just cannot do it because they're not in person on campus or for, or they might be in a high, they may be in a high risk area right now. But when you look at the Pac-12, you're looking at Arizona and Arizona State, and then USC and UCLA, you know, Cal, you know, Stanford's a private school. Um, so you, you've, got, you've got schools in each conference that are in, in places that it's going to require uh, a tough decision to be, to, made, to be made if we continue on the path that we're on right now. But we've also seen things can change. Um, in a matter of a couple weeks where the spikes are not as great, you're kind of, you're moving back in the right direction type of thing. And, um, so you can't make a a definite uh, decision right now about what, what's going to happen or what's going to do. But these are some of the things that are out there. Some of the things are being talked about again, a million scenarios are still, uh, on the board available for people, um, but at some point, you, you know, decisions have to be made and say, well, this is the direction we're going to go. This is the direction we're going to go. I would assume from the Power Five perspective that um, they will do it uh, in unison if they can uh, because there's a college football playoff that is still out there and there has to be some continuity between all the conferences, all the major conferences as far as playing a season, how many games you're going to play, who you're going to play against uh, type of thing. Uh, but this is going to be an, an even season. This is going to be a messy season. It may not start on time. It may get interrupted. It may not finish on time. 
you just have to be prepared for that. And, you know, money is the overriding drive, driving thing here, and I don't think that's any secret. Uh, but I think I do think athletic departments and athletic directors are trying trying their best to have a season to keep people employed. Um, you know, all schools that play major Division One football or just football in general are going to take a financial hit this year because we're not going to see full stadiums. We're going to see, I think, at best, 50% capacity, uh, and that's at best. And depending on what happens with the virus, it could be less. Uh, so, you know, all schools are going to take a financial hit. It's just a matter of how big big that's going to be and how much schools can, can weather that without making deeper cuts than that are probably already going to be made, um, you know, either with furloughs or layoffs or other, other things. But, you know, ADs are trying to keep their people employed as much as possible. And that's, and you know, and that's why, uh, it's not, to me, it's not a greed thing. It's just more of you've got a lot of people that depend on financially depend on college football being played because of the TV money and the ticket revenue, college basketball being played because of the TV money and the, uh, the ticket revenue, uh, being played. And then other athletes at each university depend on those, that same revenue to help their sports. And so they can, you know, do what they do, but also get treatment and be able to travel, be able to, to play the games they need to play. So it's a, it's a huge trickle down effect. Uh, it's not a, you know, when you get into coaches salaries and stuff like that, there's probably a, a greed level there that could get uh, curbed back. Um, and I think it probably should when, when you look at it and, you know, to me, one of the bigger questions, and this is long term, is just what does what does college athletics now look post pandemic? And I'm talking about when you get a vaccine and you get things back to somewhat normal before this hit. You know, what does sports in general, what does college athletics look like uh, at the at the end of this? And we may not know when the end of this is, is going to happen uh, for. Uh, a long time, but that's that's just a few things to watch on that level. Uh, in case you didn't know, there's a basketball tournament, the basketball tournament. A uh, group of uh, Purdue alumni, five of them, part of a team called the Men of Mackey. They're going to play in this tournament in Columbus, Ohio, starting uh, July 4th. It runs through the 14th. Isaac Haas uh, is part of the group. Evan Boudreaux, uh, John Octius, uh, Johnny Hill. Uh, Jaquil Taylor. Uh, they did have Ryan Klein at one time. They did have Grady Eifert. They did have P.J. Thompson and Raphael Davis at one time. But uh, because of the format and the schedule, those those players had to had to drop out. Uh, but you know, five of the ten or so players are Purdue players. Uh, the winning team gets a million dollars, and you know, this is the first time Purdue's been involved in this, or at least had a representative in it. So I'll be curious what happens. All the games are televised on ESPN and ESPN2. Uh, the first game for the Minimaki is uh, coming up on Sunday at 7 o'clock. Uh, they're the 19th seed of a 2014 tournament. Their odds are 75-1 to 1 to win the tournament. So not a lot of people banking on them to win it, but if you can get that price and you got a, you got some change in your pocket and you want to put that down, try to, try to win some money, then good luck. You'd have a... You got a ten-day journey ahead of you, if if that, or they could get knocked out Sunday night and be done. 
but you know this tournament had to get condensed into one site because of COVID, uh, and had to reduce the teams, and so there've been a lot of precautions, health and safety at the forefront uh, for this tournament to pull off. There'll be no spectators there, but it's a live sport, and we had a chance to talk to some of the players uh, on Thursday uh, with a with a Zoom uh, press conference just to kind of you know get their thoughts on you know, what actually what they've been doing, but also getting ready for this tournament. Ryan Smith, former guard uh, for Purdue, uh, is the is the coach of the team. He's the assistant coach down at Incarnate Word with Carson Cunningham. And assuming we have a basketball season, uh, they're supposed to visit Mackey Arena uh, in, uh, in December. The other piece of news from the week uh, I want to touch on a little bit is that the Purdue women's basketball team won't have uh, what I – what I would think that would what I think is their best player going into next year, uh, because of uh, ankle surgery, uh, Carissa McLaughlin's going to undergo reconstructive uh, surgery on her left ankle coming up on July seventh. Uh, she will miss the upcoming season, which puts a huge dent into what what uh, what that team might be able to accomplish. She was the only uh, consistent and proven scorer. Um, coming back from from last year, uh, and now they don't they don't have that. Plus, they don't have uh, a leader at the point guard position, and they're the two transfers that they've uh, acquired in the off season uh, likely will not be eligible uh, because of the waiver rule. The one time waiver rule was put on hold until January. Uh, so the the, the Brooke Moore, the transfer from Auburn, uh, and then uh, Rokia. Um, from Arkansas, I don't believe we're going to, they're, either one's going to be eligible, and that's going to uh, really uh, take away scoring options that that the Boilermakers uh, have. Now, I, you know, I think they're going to struggle anyway with Carissa, but at least you had a proven scorer out there that could go get you a basket, you know, when you needed it. Um, but uh, they just they don't have that right now, and that's you know. To be honest, it's been a it's been a theme uh, for the program the last five, six, seven years where they just haven't uh, recruiting recruited and or developed enough uh, scoring uh, options where everybody on the floor has to be defended by the opponent. And you know, next year without McLaughlin, you know that that really will should be noticed more than what it what it has been. Um, now if you can get Madison Layden, one of the freshmen, to to step up and provide a consistent scoring punch, uh, that would be helpful. But you know, I you know I think she's a fine player, but I'm not sure at the college level, at least out of the gate, that you know she's she's going to be able to put up 20 or 25 a night. You know, if that, uh, you ideally you'd like someone to get into double figures on a consistent basis. But we know when you look at the roster, it's just it's hard to pick one out and say that'll be the player, or you know this this person will develop. Now they do play a soft enough non-conference schedule that um, they should be able to work on some things and they should be able to identify some roles uh, where um, they can they can get the ball rolling a little bit. But you know, I, I don't think 
their non-conference schedule is is that tough. Now we don't know all the opponents yet. They haven't announced the Big Ten ACC uh, opponent, but based on what I was hearing, uh, that that will be a tough opponent. Uh, and then what their Cancun tournament looks like and whether that will be played in Cancun, similar to the men, still remains to be seen. I, I don't – I would – I would doubt that that tournament is played in Cancun just because I don't think schools are going to let their teams go out of the country right now. So I would guess that that tournament is going to get moved somewhere in the States and that could affect who, who you play. I think Purdue was looking at potentially playing uh, Tennessee and Florida state, which two good opponents. Uh, but I don't think, what this team has right now uh, would match up very well with either one of those programs, you know, not at the end of November, you know, maybe sometime in late January, February, they might, but I I don't think at the end of uh, November, that would be a good matchup for Purdue. So things may change from a schedule standpoint. Purdue, Purdue may try to try to figure some different things out. And, uh, and, you know, again, tournament, you know, the, I don't believe the tournament will be played in Cancun. You know, the men, same way. You know, they, you know, they've got two games scheduled in Cancun that same week. Um, But, you know, I I got a feeling that that, that tournament's probably going to get moved out of there for a variety of reasons and all having to do with uh, the health and safety of, of teams trying to travel down there um, during this pandemic. Uh, And this pandemic's not going to be over. Uh, by the time you get to Thanksgiving, uh, I think it's going to continue. It just a, a matter of what level uh, it's it's going to continue. So that's a that's a big loss for the the women's basketball team uh, as they uh, as they embark on uh, uh, the upcoming season, and we'll see what that season looks like. And I, there might be changes there from a schedule standpoint uh, as well. And things are late as far as getting out, as far as schedules, Big Ten schedules, and stuff like that. All with, you know, the idea, I think, that, uh, you know, the Big Ten's trying to come up with the best situation possible for all the teams uh, from a schedule standpoint. So each school can save some expenses, but also, you know, try to play a a full amount of games. On the uh, football side of it, there's not, you know, we don't have, we haven't been granted any access to players or coaches since uh, things shut down. Uh, back in March and uh, spring break uh, took over and Purdue had uh, taken that time off anyway. But by the time, you know, spring break was over, uh, players and everybody were scattered. They were at home. And we, so we haven't had any access to to players or coaches uh, to know, you know, really how things are going and uh, and stuff like that. That's That's been disappointing, but you know, we're just the low, the lowly, uh, local media that, uh, uh, we're the, we're the, we're the last, uh, to get any, any kind of access, uh, to, to Purdue. And, and to be honest, not sure when we will get access to, to Purdue football, uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, from a men's basketball standpoint, all, every, all three freshmen are here that, that are supposed to be here. Um, and then on the football standpoint, they're supposed to, to be adding some grad transfers, uh, the month of July, uh, once they uh, cleaned up uh, or finished up their their coursework at their respective schools, so uh, I would I would imagine that you know once they get into their mandatory workouts that 
uh, all the graduate transfers uh, will be there. Well, we appreciate you uh, stopping by uh, for another edition of the Boulders Extra podcast. Reminder, questions, comments, concerns, or you just want to yell at me, uh, you know, email, Twitter, uh, or however, drop me a, you know, write, write me out a note. I don't, it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, I think there's enough, there's enough ways to find me that you can do it if, if you want to, or you have a subject that you want, you want discussed uh, on the podcast. Hope again, hope to do these a little bit more regular as we get closer to football season and closer to, to what football season may look like, or even training camp may look like, uh, for Purdue and the big 10. Again, thanks for stopping by and have uh, yourself a safe weekend, 4th of July and, uh, and have a good day and uh, we'll talk to you another time.